I had, a, had some, some stray thoughts came up during the sitting tonight that, and I hope they all come together some, some form. But the, I was thinking of a little vignette from my, from my life, and probably a story I've told here before, but uh, 13 years ago when uh, my daughter Molly was born, I was in a, in a what might be called a sublime space uh, in my life where where I was uh, somehow, by some grace, able to experience my life as it actually is, as everyone's is, but I was able to experience it a little bit less through the lens of my personality view and my story, through the lens of time, and much more through the direct experience, something that I pointed to during the sitting tonight, the direct experience of unfolding present moments, just in a sense outside of time, just life seemed very simple in, in reality. And Molly came along, <laughs> and everyone said to me, oh, your life is going to change so dramatically. And I heard those words, and they kept saying, how are you doing? And I said, well, it just still seems like present moments, simple, unfolding, present moments. It feels to me, and I said this to Jack Cornfield, friend and colleague, uh, I said, it feels like nothing happened. And this was a kind of absolute truth that nothing has ever happened. It's just, just unfolding present moments. Well, the next time I saw Jack, he asked me, how has nothing ever happened? <laughs> and I said, all hell has broken loose. <laughs> I'm, I'm sleep deprived. <laughs> I'm... Uh, reactive with my wife, whatever, whatever it was, I, I fell from grace into, into humanity. <laughs> and, and I think this speaks to a central challenge of our spiritual life. So much of the emphasis on the teachings and the practice are about making that shift from being human doings to human beings. And the emphasis is so much on touching that capacity that we have of beingness, of being enough as you are, the inherent sufficiency of being and how the state of compulsion, of craving, of addiction keeps us in a state of doing and becoming and toppling forward and obsessed with what's next and to recover our sense of being. And we stop whenever we can. We sometimes have to stop, at least pay attention in order to connect again with that sense of being. And that's a beautiful thing. 
It's a beautiful thing about the teachings that they, they call us to a sense of being. And when, you're, when you come back to a sense of being, you're not so easily defined by your personal story, your life situation. You're just here. You're just aware, connected with everything. Everything connected with you. Everything mirroring everything. That's the sublime, the, the beingness. So much emphasis on this, and it's a good thing. But what's not so great, and what often is the shadow of this emphasis on learning how to, to taste or touch being instead of the obsession with doing, what's often lost is that phrase, human being. We've, we start to develop the being and associate our practice with being, and we can easily forget the human. The human capacity for immense range of emotions and struggles. Our capacity for ignorance. Our capacity for, for love and compassion and generosity and patience. So much goodwill, but also our capacity to be conditioned to where we are afraid of somebody because of the color of their skin and then act in ways that are, that, are, that are just so what seems so outside of what our human capacity is. And so not only do we have to cultivate our beingness, but we have to cultivate our humanness. That is our practice. To cultivate those wholesome qualities of clarity, of goodness, of of non-harming and keep opening to the whole range, the immense range of our, our humanness and not, not fall into what, it's not original line, what we call a spiritual bypass. Bypassing our human and our, and our own ignorance, our own prejudices, our own conditioning, bypassing that and then hanging out in, in beingness. But to balance our beingness, balance that greatness of our nature, the depth of our nature, our Buddha nature, and really be honest about how much of our life is, is ruled by our Mara nature, constantly tempting us to, to move to the lowest common denominator, move into ill will, move into greed, move into a kind of delusion, go unconscious. That's, we have both. We have, we have Buddha nature, we have Mara nature. And it's very easy to go through this life just being carried along by that. And then think, oh, all I have to do is just be. Now it is true that the more there is that sense of, of being present, there tends to be, if you, if you are including in your practice every element of your life, everything becomes manure of bodhi, of, of awakening. Everything, every relationship that, that's messy, every relationship that's easy. Every, our relationship with our planet, with each other, with the, with the as I mention every week, and as it's hard to, hard to ignore, our 
beautiful expression, but painful expression of our um, the, of the homeless people who are living outside the gates that just represent a, a whole culture that that easily that somehow can accommodate, somehow can justify and allow such enormous wealth while many people go around hungry. That has to be taken into our hearts too and metabolized, worked with. As Andrew Harvey, the wonderful teacher, says to, that part of our spiritual practice is to follow our heartbreak and then to serve in some way. It's not just to touch into being. The truth is I've never met anyone who really who really tasted the sublime, who didn't become passionate about, uh, about our humanity. But it is somehow easy as we're navigating through the world of, of meditation and spiritual teachings to somehow minimize or diminish or bypass our, our humanness. So that's, I just was thinking about that tonight, and I was, as I was thinking about it tonight, I was thinking about the, a beautiful expression of that, of that balanced teaching, the two truths, the relative truth of our humanness, our human condition, with all its, with its birth, its sickness, its old age, its dying, its frustrated desires, its constant uh, insecurity and wounded pride, and all of that, and the, and the enormity of suffering that we cause each other through our defenses and our aggression. Got it. And our horns when we want it to be quiet. All of it. What I was thinking about tonight, the, the, I think it's really encapsulated beautifully in the words of Padmasambhava, where he described his own mind. He said, my mind is, is as vast uh, as, the, um, as the sky, as boundless and vast as the sky, and my care for the effect of my actions is as refined as, bar- as barley flour. So no privileged domain of vastness, the, the care of which he speaks, of which he, he engages with himself and with other people, with resources, with the world, as refined as barley flour, just as important. So in the, when we talk about the teachings of the Buddha, his, his particular template that came out of his meeting with people, I've been t- talking about that lately, that he didn't just have this awakening and then said, okay, I'm, I've got this teaching, I've got to write it down, and it wasn't even written down for 500 years. It became, it was collated, it was synthesized, it was formed through dialogue with people, through meeting people in their life, in their situation, in their human struggles. And that is how the teachings were, were created. He didn't create the teachings. The teachings were an interdependent, um, an interdependent process that depended on relationship. But out of that relationship, 
out of that direct experience, meeting, meeting the world, meeting our humanity with an open heart, an open mind, what did he highlight? What did he say? He said, if you want to express your awakening in this life, if you want to awaken and express your awakening, or live in a way that's congruent with the, the highest truths, then you must, in your life, in order, to, in order to have any kind of congruence, you have to be ultra-sensitive to your actions. So in the first three parts of the Noble Eightfold Path, which is kind of his mapping of, of how of how to live a, an awakened life included right action, which basically includes, includes uh, not taking any life, having a reverence for every life form. Just to, you know, traditionally it meant don't kill. And most of us would not kill. But, but there are people who kill. And just think if we, as a, as a planet, stop killing humans. But killing, but killing insects and animals and just killing our spirits and, and just the amount of attack and blame and actually desire in our minds to kill. I've had some homicidal thoughts in the last... How many? <laughs> I have to admit it. Very indirect. I wouldn't do it myself. No. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, these things, this impulse to, to cause harm is embedded in our human nature. And so part of our practice of both renunciation and inclination toward, toward, uh, toward what is helpful and wholesome is I would I make a full and 100% commitment not to cause any harm in any situation. And so not killing, not stealing, not taking anything that is not offered freely means, you know, we've had, there's been someone who's been going, making the rounds at different sitting groups, stealing. And the, just even in this context, it's just so, it's so painful. Just the reverberations of, of someone, and we can have compassion for the thief who feels as though that they're, they Whatever their, their desire, their need is, supersedes all sensitivity to the potential impact of their action. But this is the tip of what's happening every day in this world. And so if we want, this like Nisargadot says, if we want a peaceful world, we have to have peaceful people. If we, ha if we want a world where, where there is respect for other people's property, we have to respect other people's property. We have to practice that. So our, the beautiful thing about this is our human, the human side of us 
We have the being side that is perfect from the very beginning. The incorruptible part of our nature, just uh, vast, enough, sufficient. The, but the human part of our nature can easily be conditioned to cause harm to ourselves and others. But the beauty of the teachings is that our human condition, we can be trained to cause happiness to ourselves and each other. We can learn to be that person who is a refuge for others, a refuge of safety, and for ourselves experience what the Buddha called the bliss of blamelessness, that the happiness that can come from knowing you are not causing harm. Knowingly, anyway. We may all cause harm unknowingly. And for that, also our human capacity is such that we can, we can, our hearts can be increasingly opened by asking for and extending forgiveness to ourselves, to others. We can, just by repeating, if I have harmed anyone, knowingly or unknowingly, through my thoughts or words or actions, uh, I ask for forgiveness. If anyone has harmed me, through their, act, through their thoughts, words, or actions, what they said or didn't say, did or didn't do, to the best of my ability at this time, I forgive you. You just keep inclining that way. If I have harmed myself, knowingly or unknowingly, I forgive myself to the best of my ability right now. You keep inclining that way. It softens the heart. We are trainable. So not killing, not stealing, committing to, to understanding that our humanness, as a human, we're sexual animals. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for sex. That's amazing. <laughs> Yet somehow in our world, sex is, we don't just talk about it openly. And because we don't talk about it openly, we don't just somehow appreciate the, the reality of it. It, go, it, goes into the, it goes into the underground in a way, and then it gets acted out in ways that cause harm. So we commit not to cause any harm through our sexuality, to only engage in sexuality with love, with, for procreation or love, for care, with caring, and an, an exquisite sensitivity to the appropriateness of who we're getting involved with and the impact of that. I can speak about this with some authority since in my younger years, I, I wasn't always sensitive about who I engaged with. And the level of remorse and and just the reverberations when I would engage with someone who really wasn't, wasn't the, right, the right fit. Uh, a lot of mental suffering about that. And, I, and that's just on my end. I'm sure there was plenty. So, that, so all of that, really working with that in our lives, the, our relationship to, to stuff, property, stealing, Practicing simplicity and renunciation and contentment. Uh, we're human, so the tendency is to want to accumulate. Want to have stuff, want to have experiences, to be just avarice. To be, to be addictive. 
So how do we, how do we work with our humanness? Do we just kind of play it out? Or do we, do we, as the teachings invite, to go against the stream? Be someone that, that cares more about, about, um, about clarity of mind, openness of heart, than about, um, than about getting something, accumulating something. Knowing the difference between what I want and what I need. That's a big thing. And so to be willing to struggle with that. So let me, anyway, I just want to move through the precepts once since I'm doing it. Killing, stealing, sex, speech. Ugh. See, I probably caused harm with my speech tonight. I probably offended someone. If I've offended you, I apologize. I do it all the time. Even though, to the best of my ability, I try to practice wise speech, non-harming speech. The basic training, the heart training, the human training, speaking what's truthful. How many times do we stretch the truth or, or avoid saying what's true? But can we tell the truth? Can we say what's useful? Can we say it in a timely way? Can we speak for the benefit of who we're speaking to? And never speak in order to harm someone. I cannot tell you how many times that my little aggression side has come out and, uh, and my, my wife calls it my Scorpio stinger. I'm not actually a Scorpio, but I, and no offense to Scorpios. <laughs> Scorpio rising or whatever, Scorpio something. <laughs> but anyway, the stinger comes out and oh, so unwise speech, so much harm caused. And, and there's, we have such a capacity to bring happiness with our speech. It is so delicious to greet someone in a friendly way with a, with a smile instead of grumps. And it takes just a turn of the mouth. It, of course, it's never denying our moods. But you don't have to spill your moods on everyone. Feel them. Be compassionate with yourself. But engage with people in a way that's friendly, that's kind. It's not that hard. And it gladdens the heart. It makes, makes us happy. That's our humanness. But really, balance it with the understanding is that you will... You'll just, your moods will leak. So have so much forgiveness in your heart for your leaky moods. Because we don't, unless we're training moment to moment mindfulness every minute of every day, we're going to have gaps where whatever the momentum of a, a mental state and then the words that flow from that, the engines of delusion and greed and hatred will sometimes drive our actions faster than the mood, than the the engine of wisdom and love and, and clarity. So just jumping beyond the, the speech, even though it could be, we could spend weeks on wise speech, just like to 
just add a reminder of the of maybe one of the, the greatest causes of suffering and one of the greatest causes of happiness in this world. Greatest cause of suffering, one of the greatest is the is the clouded mind, the careless mind, the heedless mind that comes from excessive use of intoxicants. I, I guarantee you every single person in this room has been affected by some suffering related to drugs and alcohol or just the unconsciousness that comes from some, some addiction. Anybody not ever been touched by that? A lot of heartache. A lot of families wrecked, a lot of lives wrecked, a lot of, a lot of pain for the person who's, who has the addiction. There's just so much suffering in that. And so our human capacity to both become really addicted and also go against the stream of that and, and wake up and commit to clarity of mind, to, to not being careless and heedless with our actions. So basic training guidelines. So that, that may, sometimes that part of the teaching we don't hear. We just, we just want to meditate. Be. But we want to bring the meditative awareness into every word that's uttered from our mouth. Every time we reach for food or drugs or alcohol or the number one intoxicant of our times, you know my shtick, is the smartphone. It's an intoxicant. Look at the way you grab at it. It's even designed for addiction. So to, to start to cut that chain so that you, you can remember yourself again. There are people here who don't have smartphones. <laughs> Noemi, we're going to give her a prize for the longest holdout. <laughs> a dumb phone. A dumb phone. No, no cell phone. See? Survived. In fact, look at a cherubic smile. It's a direct correlation between... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, I just, I, I, mostly I wanted to speak of the, the, um, our humanness tonight. And, the, and I guess part of our part of our human beingness, humanness, the human part of our being is that we all, um, we were born and we will die. And, and that, that everything that we attain in our life has a, short, has a shelf life. It, I was telling somebody I got this, I, I, I was going to keep it to myself, but um, I... Um, because of my work of traveling around and perhaps saving a lot of people a lot of money so they don't have to fly to Spirit Rock, <laughs> I've been flying all over for the last 30 years, all over the planet, leading meditation retreats. And I, I noticed a, at a certain point when I looked at my United Airlines um, account, because I have to deal with them a lot, is that I was... Uh, I had um, close to a million miles, and I became a million miler. And 
I thought that was kind of exciting to become a million miler, even though it was just you know time away from my family, and you know it's just you know not not all beautiful, but it was kind of a cool thing. I get the million miles, and they send me a little glass block with a card in it that says congratulations, you got a million miles, and then the before I even. I set it on the counter, and the card slipped down. <laughs> and, you know, there, there was a little card, and then it was over. <laughs> Completely unsatisfactory. No big deal. Unreliable. After all that, I got a little plaque that didn't even hold together. And then a feeling of unsatisfactoriness. That is everything in our life. That's just the everything, the greatest vacation, the gra- everything. It ends with a, okay, what's next? <laughs> and if we're in harmony with that understanding, we can actually, that's part of our human experience. We can be even, we can joke about it. We can be happy. But if you're on that, if you're not really looking at the reality of your humanness, you're on that kind of treadmill thinking that the next thing is going to make you happy. And as we know, nothing can actually make us happier than than we are basically, except training the heart to stay present and to allow our best human qualities to flow. It's the only thing reliable. So may you all enjoy your beingness and your humanness. And thank you for listening. And remember that uh, if there's no mud, there's no lotus, as Thich Nhat Hanh would say. Anyway. So let's just sit quietly for a moment. And I want to just end with a poem from uh, Reverend Zenju Earthland Manuel. about our humanness. But this is a prayer of loving kindness. May all beings be cared for and loved, be listened to, understood, and acknowledged despite different views, be accepted for who they are in this moment, be afforded patience be allowed to live without fear of having their lives taken away or their bodies violated. May all beings be well in its broadest sense, be fed, be clothed, be treated as if their life is precious, be held in the eyes of each other as family. May all beings be appreciated, feel welcomed anywhere on the planet, be freed from acts of hatred and desperation, including war, poverty, slavery, and street crimes. Live on the planet housed and protected from harm. Be given what is needed to live fully without scarcity. Enjoy life living without fear of one another. Be able to speak freely in a voice and mind of undeniable love. May all beings receive and share the gifts of life 
be given time to rest, be still, and experience silence. May all beings be awake. May our practice be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all beings. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your generosity. Thanks for listening, all that. And hope to see you next week.